What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where the Lakers have somehow had one of their most historic playoff runs in the last decade, the past two weeks, all without playing a single game of actual playoff basketball. And that's because even though Paul George and the OKC Westbrooks won last night and came back after being down by 20 points, they are still on the brink of elimination, and even though King James had one of the most spectacular NBA playoff buzzer beaters in the last few years, he is still still trying to keep the Lost Boys Cavs afloat by all of his might and all of his power, and the Spurs franchise player has been M. Kawhi A for the last three months. So all of that is going on in the playoffs right now, not to mention that I think the first round of the NBA playoffs has just been pretty exciting overall. But a lot of things have have had some summer implications on the Lakers, which has been interesting to keep track of amidst all of the exciting playoff play as well. So, Tommy, welcome back. We haven't done this podcast thing in like uh, two weeks or so. For us, this is kind of like the it's really the offseason for us as well, because the speculation and whatnot doesn't happen until July. But having said that. Like I just mentioned at the start, there have been a lot of Lakers tangential news that we can glean from with regards to the playoffs and what's been going on with some potential free agent superstars still in the thick of things or maybe not in the thick of things. So with that said, before we start, Tommy, what have your thoughts been on the NBA playoffs overall? And um, 
I don't know, you can touch here and there on any overarching implications you you may have been observing here and there. But overall, what's been your feeling just watching this first round? I know for me, it started off a little slow and I was like, this looks pretty boring. And then all of a sudden, it kind of ramped up. Yeah, I didn't expect the Jazz to be up 3-1. They're now up 3-2. I didn't expect the Indiana Pacers to put up such a good fight. And really, they could have won every single game if not for LeBron James just putting the freaking calves on his back and literally putting the calves on his back, really. But uh, yeah, what have your thoughts been on the first round of the playoffs thus far? Um, like you said, I think it's been super exciting. Um, I think the biggest surprise for me was... Uh, the, so far, the Pelicans sweeping Portland. Like, I, not to oh, say yeah. that the Pelicans had no chance. I mean, I did not think the Pelicans were going to win the series. I thought Portland was going to win in, like, six. I thought it'd be a competitive series. I just didn't realize it would be... So, like, most of the games weren't even really close. Um, so I think that was, like, kind of the most surprising thing to me. Uh, other than that, I think one interesting thing about this season is that injuries during the season created these really interesting playoff matchups that I think would never otherwise exist. Like Toronto and Washington talent wise are arguably like exactly the same, you know, like they're very evenly matched. Like Mm -hmm. they both have two star guards and a bunch of role players who are okay. Um, and that's a one, eight matchup. Toronto could easily lose the series still. Um, even though they're up three, two right now, I think, uh, in terms of implications, it's nice to see OKC not playing that well. I mean, they're up, they're only down 2 3 at this point, but both of their wins took superhuman efforts. I mean, Paul George, in yeah. the first one, Paul George hit eight threes, which is never going to happen again in a playoff game. Russell Westbrook scored 20 points in the third quarter of their last game and just like went berserk and had like the best shooting game he's ever going to have again for the rest of the playoffs. You know, yeah. so like, this could have been a sweep in a lot of ways, you know, or like at least a 4-1 win. So I think that if if Utah is able to close it out strong, I think that's going to – that could be big for the Lakers, obviously, with Paul George thinking about uh, what's next. Yeah, and I think even with regards to the Cavs and LeBron James, obviously he had that crazy, crazy buzzer-beating game winner on um, the last game. I don't know if you saw that video of that kid who called game. Do you think that video is fake? You know, he was watching the video. He was watching the TV before it happened, and he turned his back and was like, "That's game, that's game." I don't even know what he said, but he was like, "Game," <laughs> yeah. and then it went in, and then they exploded. Yeah, he, he's just—it's this video of this kid standing right in front of his TV. He's like five years old, <laughs> like direct. He's standing like five inches away from the TV, and they inbounds the ball to LeBron, and LeBron takes one dribble or like two dribbles, and as he rises to shoot, the kid turns around, super deadpan, and just goes, "Game." <laughs> And then I don't I don't believe I don't it, know dude. I don't know dude I I will say it very obviously it would be so easy to make that a fake version of that but like yeah so that's obviously it feels a little bit ridiculous but the reactions of the people in the video were so I mean most of them were kids but I still dude I don't know I it was really good acting kids if they made that up sure. Uh, needless to say, it was very exciting. But having said that, I think Victor Oladipo had one of his uh, worst games that game. So two for 15 and uh, his last two games have been some of his worst shooting games in the playoffs in this entire season. Five for 20, two for 15. And yet, what, the Cavs won by four, one by three. Right. So 
it's going to be interesting. I'm even, I, I still think LeBron's probably going to pull it out at this point. Uh, Indiana had their chances and they kind of uh, let it slip. And anytime you have a shot against LeBron James, you got to kind of take it by the reins and never look back. And I feel like uh, they didn't do that. And this is where guys like LeBron James will capitalize, even though his team is so bad. Um, so, you know, even if LeBron James makes it to the Eastern Conference Finals, you have to think and, you know, seeing his body language and everything, you have to think he knows that this team isn't going to go anywhere, you know, as, as hard as he may push and as valiant an effort as he may give, especially given that the Eastern Conference right now, everybody's super raw and green because, uh, you know, it's, it's the Sixers. Sixers are probably his biggest, uh, competition, to be honest. Um, so even with all that being said, I think LeBron knows the writing's on the wall. So even just eking through these playoffs is definitely going to have an effect on him. So, you know, all these implications are swirling around. And like I mentioned, you know, the Spurs just got eliminated. But even that has been on the minds of everyone with regards to Kawhi Leonard not being with the team, being MIA, working out um, in New York or rehabbing in New York, even in spite, even, even with the fact that Greg Popovich's, you know, wife passed away a week or two ago. Um, so a lot of these things have been going on amidst the playoff run and amidst the Lakers sitting out. And t- today's, tonight's episode, we're pretty, pretty much going to get back into all of that speculation and Lakers summer 2018 talk, delve more deeply into Paul George's play, where we think his head is at currently where we think LeBron is at. And we're going to try and dissect what Kawhi Leonard could be thinking, even though we typically have no idea what this guy is thinking because he's one of the most uh, private superstars in the league. And not to mention the Spurs are one of the most private organizations in the league as well. Um, We'll get into all that talk, including some Lakers cap machinations and what they could do with potential players like Julius Randle, what trades they could possibly make again, and who we would be willing to give up for a Kawhi Leonard type player. But before we get to that, as usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, that is how many shots Russell Westbrook and Carmelo Anthony will both miss in the Oklahoma City Thunder's next game in Utah versus the Jazz where they could potentially be eliminated. And we want Carmelo and Russell Westbrook to miss a ton so that Paul George gets reminded of what a crap team he's on, in spite of the fact that he has superstars on his team, quote-unquote superstars, and we can crown Paul George the Lakers' newest starting small forward for the 2018-19 season. So please rate and review us on iTunes to make that happen. Each new rating interview equals an additional missed shot by Russell Westbrook and Carmelo Anthony. Um, with that said, Tommy, before we get into all the trade speculation, you know, uh, signing speculation... I wanted to get your thoughts again on this is a more detailed overarching look on the NBA playoffs. And I say that just because I feel like this year has been a little different in terms of it really feels like the NBA is undergoing a changing of the guard. And I don't say that in terms of Golden State is still the perennial favorite. Houston Rockets are still um, one of the biggest contenders because they have James Harden and Chris Paul. But it seems like everybody else, you know, is being led by this new crop of you really feel that sense of like the new era coming into play here, especially in the East Coast. Right. And with that being said, and we see so many young players really thriving uh, from rookies to second year players. We've got the Sixers, you know, they eliminated the Heat 4-1 on the backs of pretty much Ben Simmons. Right. Uh, Joel Embiid joined them the last two games, but um, Ben Simmons really carried that team. And even just talking about Joel Embiid, you know, second year player. 
Uh, in Boston, we've got Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum balling out. We can even say Terry Rozier is balling out, even though we've given Danny Ainge so much flack over the years for... Uh, for whatever reason, coveting this dude. Uh, but now maybe we're seeing why. You know, Terry Rozier has been very, very solid in the wake of, you know, Kyrie Irving going down. Jalen Brown has had an up and down series. He's pretty much exploded or done nothing, right? He's had 30 points, 34 points, and then a, and then some sprinklings of 11 and 14 points where he, d- he hasn't shot very well. But needless to say, given that this is his first foray into the playoffs, very, very impressive uh, showing by Jalen Brown. Um, and then Jason Tatum, you know, 22 points the last game, 21 points. They're going to be inconsistent, but they've definitely shown some flashes. Even a guy like OG Ananobi uh, for the Raptors is getting great experience and, and proving his worth as well. So, you know, bringing up all these young players and knowing that our guys, you know, are sitting out and essentially maybe this is like their red shirt year for the playoffs, right? Do you feel a sense of jealousy or just a sense of like, damn, man, I really wish our guys could have gotten that extra year under their belt this year because I have no doubt that they would at least be doing, you know, at least 75% of what some of these guys are doing right now or showing the potential that these guys are showing, especially if we're talking about a guy like Julius Randle, who, you know, could have used this first year, first introductory year into the playoffs. So yeah, I wanted to get your thoughts on on that aspect of things and what you've thought of, you know, this new young crop rising and whether or not you're kind of, I don't know, a, a little bit wistful that uh, by the uh, to the fact that the Lakers aren't in there. You know, the Kyle Kuzma, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, and Julius Randle. Right. Um, I mean, obviously, I think the goal is every year to make the playoffs. And the reason that's the goal is because of what you're talking about now. It's like you always want your guys, especially like the young guys, to continue to get experience because sometimes a team goes from being okay to a contender or like being not even that good to like a playoff team. Like, Overnight, you know, like one big move that you didn't expect in the offseason, one big draft pick that you didn't expect to pan out the way it did in the offseason, and all of a sudden you're in a position you didn't expect to be in. And so when you end up in those positions, it's always helpful to be like, oh, okay, well, this team has played in the playoffs, so if now we unexpectedly made it there this year or, you know, next year, it's like now we're ready for it because you've experienced it. Um, Sorry, I totally forgot to bring up Donovan Mitchell too. Obviously, yeah, yeah. Donovan Mitchell as a rookie, and then yeah, you know, and Carl obviously Townsend. Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. But um, but yeah, no, it's it's awesome to see the new guys come in and like play so well. Uh, I a hundred, and I will be the first one to admit it. How wrong I was about this. I thought Donovan Mitchell was going to be like you know like 16, 17 points a game on poor shooting numbers. I was like, this guy's, I know he had an outstanding season. I saw him dominate a bunch of games at the end of the year. Uh, He was just scoring at will, but I was like, look, he's the only guy who could reliably score for Utah. It's the playoffs. It gets more physical. Things change. And this guy just completely steps up and has been like, is pretty much, in my opinion, the best player overall on both teams. In yeah. the entire series, you know, for, for over the course of the series. And Paul George has had a very good series, to be clear. Like, he's averaged, like, 30 points a game on, like, pretty good shooting numbers, actually, overall. So, Donovan Mitchell's been amazing. And, and yeah, it's just, it's cool to see these young guys come in and uh, play so well. And it's it, it's exciting because, you know, everybody, 
Although I think a lot of Laker fans probably want LeBron on the team next year. It's watching LeBron go to the finals every year is especially in the East, uh, the Eastern conference has become so boring. I'm like rooting for any change at this point. So honestly, I'm rooting for the Sixers because I feel like they have the best chance to, uh, to take down LeBron and they're just really good and fun to watch. Yeah. I think the Sixers are a good reference point for the Lakers, right? Because, I feel like the Lakers are just one year off of them. And, you know, maybe we would have been a little more even with them this year, if not for the Mozgov and Dang signings of whatever. That was our moment of not trusting the process, right? But otherwise, we kind of fell ass backwards into trusting the process. And from there, I felt like we did a really good job of drafting. And Rob Palink and Magic seemed to be of that mindset of really, yeah, trusting the process and doing a good balance of knowing we that have cap space, knowing we have young guys and making sure to make the exact right moves and teetering that line between we're going to take advantage of our cap space and if there's no one good, we're going to continue to hold that cap space and we're not going to surrender any young guys to make any rash moves. At least that's how it seems right now. But given that, you mentioned you know things flipping on a dime and that's exactly what happened with the Sixers, right? This is, yeah, this is Ben Simmons, Simmons technically his rookie year, um, Joel Embiid's second year, it's been crazy. They, I, I forgot what their win streak was, but the last twenty plus games or so, they have one loss, and that was to the Heat in the playoffs. Right? Um, right. It's insane. They they filled out their roster with just the right uh, veteran players in JJ Redick, and then some waiver players in Ersan Ilyasova and Marco Bellinelli. Amir Johnson's been been with them the entire season, but um, it's been incredible to see their transformation. And obviously, it helps that they're in the East. Eastern Conference, and um, a lot of the teams right now are struggling. You know, Boston doesn't have Kyrie Irving, et cetera, et cetera, but they're still being led by a rookie, and it, it's insane. And um, for me, it, it if only we had eked into the playoffs, it would have just been nice to see the guys go through, even if they only win one playoff game, right, and we lose 4-1, just to get that experience, just get that taste. And And I know that, like, a guy like Kyle Kuzma, who's such a gamer, would have shown out for a game or two, you know? And um, I think this is one of the reasons why, and maybe it'll come into play when we talk about, you know, potential trades later. But this is why last year, when we were talking about Paul George trades and p- potential Paul George trades and what how that would even be beneficial to the Lakers when they can just wait another year, well, I think we're seeing it now. Like, even just getting the guys one year early Giving them an early preview at the playoffs helps a lot. Giving them that feel, I think, is so important. And then you never know what happens when you're actually in in it. I don't think any any of us would have expected Jalen Brown to be busting out 30 points, you know? Or Jason Tatum to be playing as well as he is, Terry Rozier, Donovan Mitchell, all these guys. You never know once they're actually put in that situation what they're going to do. And I can totally envision scenarios where Julius Randle is putting up double-doubles. He shrugs off the nerves and whatnot and, you know, gets 20, 2015 games. Lonzo Ball has a triple-double in the playoffs. And then from there, that kind of bleeds into your regular season next year, right? So I think I'm a little, yeah, I'm a little jealous at the fact that, that these other guys, these other young studs can get this playoff experience because... I mean, it kind of puts them a, a little bit ahead starting next season, you know? They they kind of have this badge of honor that they can wear all throughout next season, and then they make the playoffs again next year, and that only continues to progress, where our guys have a little bit of catching up to do. I, I have no doubt that they'll get there eventually, but it just would have been nice to get in a, a year earlier, so... 
with that said, I guess we can go into some of the uh, the speculation and conjecture and whatnot of what's been going on with Paul George, LeBron James, and Kawhi Leonard. Uh, maybe even a little bit of uh, DeMarcus Cousins talk as well with how good the New Orleans Pelicans have been playing without him. Them presumably not even wanting to give him like a full-on max for multiple years. But Tommy, let's talk about Paul George first. The The Thunder are on the brink of elimination Russell Westbrook, outside of the last game where he dropped 44 points, 45 points, has played horrifically. Carmelo Anthony has played horrifically the entire season. And I guess where do you where do you think Paul George's head is at right now? And do you have do you feel even more confident? Let's say the Oklahoma City Thunder somehow pull it out or pull this series out against the Jazz because they're young and they let things slip at the end there. Um, but but how do you feel about where Paul George is at right now? And um, I think Carmelo Anthony has a player option for next year that he's definitely going to take, right? And just knowing that Carmelo Anthony is going to be back, I mean, obviously, I think Presti can like buy him out or do something like that, but there's not a lot of ways that the Oklahoma City Thunder can improve this team. Yeah, where do you think Paul George's head is at right now? I think Paul George's head is in L.A. because he's <laughs> coming back to Cali, baby. Hey, that's hey. pretty simple. <laughs> um yeah, no, I think uh, anybody with half a brain, I mean, literally you put Paul George on our current Lakers team like this year, and I think we do just as well, if not slightly better than OKC has done. Um, Paul George, you know, OKC, even if Carmelo opts out this summer, they have no cap space. Um, Russell Westbrook is going to soon hit the like $40 million. He's already up in the high thirties. He's going to be up in the high, higher thirties, uh, per season for his salary. Steven Adams is getting 25 million or something like that. Uh, Andre Roberson is even getting like 10, 11 million for the next few years each year. Um, they, they have no cap space. I, I don't know what their pick situation is. Um, Point is, it's not like a great spot. I I think Paul George has to be thinking like it's at least not so good that it's worth uh, staying. You know what I mean? It's it's not like it's okay. The cap situation isn't great, but like there's other things that we have going for us. Like we have a good coach, and we have like maybe some guys we can make trades with. They have nobody who's valuable in trades. Uh, their coach is not that great, in my opinion. I think Billy Donovan is not, like not a really good coach, to be honest. Um, so I just don't think there's a lot going for him. That being said, if they somehow pull, like you, uh, like you just asked, if they somehow pull this out and they end up winning the series, I still don't think it's going to make that big of a difference. Like even if they win this series and put up a little bit of a fight against Houston, they win like one or two games. I still yeah. don't really see it making a difference because like. When a guy sees the writing on the wall, he sees the writing on the wall, I think. Like, I think guys are, a lot of the times, pretty smart. Kevin Durant, like, went to the Western Conference Finals with uh, OKC, didn't he, in his last season? I can't remember if they took the Warriors to... They they lost to the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals, I believe, right? Do you remember? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, that's as close as you can get. You could reasonably say, okay, well... OKC is like your best opportunity, but he's like, no, I'm, I'm going to go slightly better and I want to play a different style of basketball. And I could see Paul George being the same way. Like clearly the NBA is moving in a certain direction with like teamwork and ball movement and everybody getting involved and, and all this and that. And 
OKC is just like the exact opposite of that. And I, I feel like that's a very reasonable way for him to be like, all right, even though this team is did okay this season, there's no future, so I need to go with the future type of thing. But I don't know. Obviously, I'm a homer, so. Yeah, well, I think on top of that, even if they eke it out, I think we everybody knows the type of player Russell Westbrook is, right? But I think especially this year, and especially, you know, last year, what Russell Westbrook did averaging a triple-double was so impressive, right? Because Kevin Durant was off the team. But like you said, Kevin Durant left Russell Westbrook even after they took the Warriors to, you know, six or seven games in the Western Conference Finals. So that's right. telling in and of itself. And now we see, oh, well, Kevin Durant, who is probably the second best player in the league, now that he's off, well, maybe this is just what a Russell Westbrook-led team looks like if you don't have a guy like Kevin Durant. You know, Paul George is a great player, but he's no Kevin Durant. He's a little more... I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I want to say passive, but he definitely doesn't have the same ball handling skills that Kevin Durant has, and you can only go so far with a guy like Russell Westbrook who plays this type of way. And I feel like he's really shown his true colors, and that's where I think the writing's on the wall. Like they can they can make it to the second round. Maybe they even beat Houston two games miraculously and lose two to four. But even then, I'm sure Paul George is thinking about the style of play in his head. You know, do I want to continue doing this? As talented a player as Russell Westbrook is, do I want to see him continue to chuck up shots? Even when I've been the best player on my team this series, hitting clutch shots, you know, averaging 30 points, but it doesn't matter. Um, and just kind of going through an entire season like this. It's, it feels to me very uh, arduous a process to go through again. You know, that I think the type of way you win is also important. And yeah. I don't know if Paul George wants to play this way, especially when he has the chance in LA to be the man in a system where if everything shakes out right, it's a more free flowing system with a bunch of ball handlers and the ball moving from side to side where it doesn't stick in one guy's hands i mean the, the our main point guard right now lonzo ball that's not even how he plays he barely dribbles the ball you know i would even say brandon ingram probably dribbles the ball more than lonzo ball does when they when he plays point guard so yeah I, i'm with you in terms of we're so close and it, it i was watching that utah game last night and you know they were up by like 20 points in the third quarter and just to see that lead continue to shrink i was like damn it I, I i made sure not to tweet anything out to you know jinx it yeah. i was so close in the third quarter to like tweeting some paul george lakers purple and gold tweet out but i knew better of it and even then with me holding back they still came back and pulled it out so we were so close and i really hope the jazz pull it off at home you know utah's always a really think, tough yeah, place dude. to play it's so hard to play there i mean when Utah won one game in OKC to start the series, I, the, all I was telling everybody was like, okay, good luck winning a game in Utah, dude. Good luck winning a game in Utah in the playoffs. Like a team that did not expect to be in this position. And these fans are already so hyped. And you just got Donovan Mitchell going off. You got like the physical jazz defense that, I mean, in game uh, four which was the second game in Utah, OKC could not handle the physicality, dude. I don't know if you watched that yeah, game, yeah. but all they could do was just, like, take cheap shots, basically. Like, Utah was playing so physical, and it was, like, clearly affecting them. But anyway, the key is just going to be Gobert. That entire run that uh, Utah went on, um, 
it was I or sorry that OKC went on. It was all like Gobert was on the bench. He came back in for like a minute and then got his fifth foul, and so he was on the bench like ninety percent of the time during that run. Um, that's a big key when when he's on the floor. They're by far the best defensive team in the NBA. When he's off the floor, I think they're actually like one of the worst defensive teams in the NBA. Um, so they like really need him out there to make their whole system work. Yeah, for sure. And uh, playoff Rubio is pretty good. Who knew? Huh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, let's let's move on to. Oh, I, there's one other thing I wanted to add. I'll eat some crow here with regards to. Eat it. Okay, here here I go eating it, just smothering it all over my face. Um, the Victor Oladipo Paul George trade. I remember when Ooh. it happened. Oh boy, I remember when it happened. We we're like, damn, Presty. This is like a win-win situation, no matter yeah. how you look at it. Because even if Paul George walks, he wants to get rid of yeah. that Victor Oladipo contract. Oh my god! And oh my god, Victor Oladipo. I mean, he's the most improved player of the year this he's season, so good. and the Thunder just have to be—they have to be beside themselves, knowing that this is another player that they just kind of let go. Yep. And now Paul George could just walk from them, and they could literally be left with with nothing. Yep. And um, they've lost so many good players. Even Sabonis. Sabonis is really good Sabonis on is the Pacers. Solid, yeah. He came off the bench is like you know, scoring 19 points in the playoffs and whatnot. And uh, the amount of players that the, that Presti has let go from Harden, Reggie Jackson, Serge Ibaka, Victor Oladipo. I mean, you could create an entirely new team <laughs> with those guys who yeah. left Kevin Durant. And they would be like one of the top two seeds in, in all of the NBA. So... I'll eat crow on being like, damn, I guess the Indiana Pacers and Pritchard really did get a really great haul. I, I don't think they even thought or the, I don't think they even expected this. But hey, props to them for getting what they got. And um, yeah, sorry, Sam Presti. <laughs> um, with that said, let's turn our sights to the Kawhi Leonard talk. Uh, a lot of things have been swirling around still with regards to now that the Spurs are eliminated, you know, one of their top priorities is getting in a room with Kawhi Leonard, trying to hash things out. Uh, there is debate and speculation on whether or not they will even tender Kawhi Leonard his supermax deal of like 200 plus million over, I don't even know how many years, four years it is, um, four years or so. So they're even questioning whether or not they want to do that. Kawhi Leonard and his team are they're probably questioning whether they want to stay in San Antonio we have no idea what the real story is but Tommy I guess where do you stand on that whole situation I know we were talking earlier and you're still a little concerned more about not so much the murkiness on what the people's mentalities are but more the murkiness with regards to his health situation right so I guess where where do you stand on the the Kawhi Leonard stuff this is Mike from the Almighty Baller Network It's nice to have a helping hand, especially when it's tax season, and that hand is attached to a licensed tax professional. With TurboTax Live, you can talk to real CPAs and EAs on demand who can review your return with you before you file and to make sure you get your maximum refund. They can even check your work line by line so you can be confident it's done right. Who knew confidence and peace of mind could be synonymous with taxes? TurboTax Live with CPAs and EAs on demand. See details at TurboTax.com. Let TurboTax Live be your helping hand. Visit TurboTax.com today. Um, yeah, I think as a general matter, I'm just so confused by everything that's happening with it. Um, I am a very nervous, and especially when I'm sure we'll talk about like more specifics with trades and or trade possibilities and stuff. But like, I am very nervous if I'm another team in the NBA trading for a guy 
who played nine games in the season. Um, it's weird. Like, if he was healthy, I'm pretty sure he would be... If he was actually healthy, I feel like he would be playing. I, I get that there's, like, okay, there's a chance that there's some degree of distrust for him there uh, in that relationship, but, like, he's eligible for the Supermax extension this summer. He's eligible next summer. Like, he has to play. There's so much money on the line. I just feel like over something as petty as... I don't trust you because your medical staff cleared me and I didn't feel ready. Like, I, I just can't think of what could possibly else could have happened. I don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just so weird. So, you know, it's like, it's so easy to think of so many uh, different types of trade possibilities involving Kawhi Leonard because, you know, you're thinking, okay, Kawhi Leonard, one of the best players in the NBA. But what if you're not getting Kawhi Leonard, one of the best players in the NBA? What if you're getting... Kawhi Leonard, who has some sort of de- degenerative health condition in his leg, and like he's going to play 25 games next year, then he's going to be up for a max extension, and then he might never play more than you know 50, 55 games in the season for the rest of the time he's on your team. Like it, it seems, oh, maybe that's too extreme, and maybe it is, but like you know, it 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 could it. I think it's probably happened. It could happen. It's always a risk giving a guy with uh, coming off of an injury a, a contract, and I think that's a scary thing with uh, Kawhi. Yeah, I agree. But let's let's work under the assumption that Kawhi Leonard is even eighty percent healthy. If the Lakers, through whatever system they use to vet him, find out that okay, this guy is good to go. He he really just took his time this entire ne- year. He judiciously shut himself down before he could make things worse, unlike Isaiah Thomas, who played through uh, his injuries even last year in the playoffs. Um, And, you know, the Boston Celtics really did misdiagnose his um, condition, his hip injury, and he played through it and probably made things worse. And he probably made things worse when he played for the Cavs and the Lakers this year. Whereas Kawhi Leonard, at least, you know, at at the moment's notice of things going wrong with his quadricep injury or whatever it is, him and his team shut it down. They they played things conservatively, and I'm sure that benefits benefits them in the long run. Outside of the fact that Kawhi Leonard is a physical specimen and physical beast, so let's work under the assumption that the Lakers have vetted things out, and Kawhi Leonard is 80% pretty good. Everything checks out. There's very minimal chance that there's any career-ending, long-term negative effects with regards to this injury. If Kawhi Leonard is even just 80%, we know that Rob Palenka and Magic Johnson will probably, if the Spurs make him available, they will probably, this summer, try and cobble together a suitable package for Kawhi Leonard. So with that said, let's go more into detail about what, what you would be willing to give up. Like, what is the most you would be willing to give up? What is the most realistic unrealistic trade you can think up of if the best case scenario for the lakers unfolds and let's say Kawhi leonard says hey i only want to go to the lakers so trade me to the lakers if you trade me somewhere else i'm only going to stay there for this next year and then i'm going to walk uh in summer 2019 so that's the best case for the lakers because that gives them full leverage kind of like the paul george situation where he pretty much said trade me to the lakers and that's the only place i'm going to go um, but let's start with the the first uh, scenario where the Spurs just make him available to everybody and the Lakers have to compete with the likes of the Boston Celtics and the Philadelphia 76ers. What is an ideal package for you and what would, what would you be willing to give up? I know 
we've talked about, it's probably going to cost one of the, th- the three main core out of Lonzo, Ingram, and Kuzma, plus Josh Hart, plus the Cavs pick, plus, you know, Zubats and maybe the 2020 first round pick or whatever, our, our own 2020 first round pick. So what, do you, what is a suitable trade for you that you'd be willing to accept? And I, I put this uh, poll out on our Twitter about a week ago where I asked, you know, out of the young cornerstones, B.I., Kuz, and Zoe, which one would you guys most be willing to part with in the event that we trade for Kawhi Leonard? Uh, so the results are 49% said, let's trade Kuzma. 24% said, let's trade Lonzo Ball, which is the lowest. And then 27% said, I'd be willing to give up Brandon Ingram. So where do you stand on those guys? And uh, I guess, how would you rank your, if we had to give up one of these cornerstone blue chip pieces, how would you rank those three for a Kawhi Leonard trade? Um, okay. So I think as a very preliminary matter, I, I, I think one underlying assumption in this in this hypothetical, which I will go forward with, but it was that if Kawhi is made available, the front office will will definitely go for him. I, I just don't know that that's true. I mean, I think they'll inquire. I don't know that they'll they'll like actually try to put a realistic package together. Depending on how confident they are. I mean, I'm just going off of like just kind of a hunch based on how they've handled things generally, but also like today, even Pink has tweeted that um, it's his impression from you know everything he's heard that that they probably would that like magic is happy with the young guys and he wants to, he's not just like, like bluffing or whatever. Like he actually will just wait if, if they're uh, not able to get two maxes this year, or if they're only able to get one, Um, he's not in a rush to just throw together a bunch of uh, stars and, and get rid of all the young guys as far as what pink has said. But anyway, Oh, sorry. Let's also, I mean, I want to add to your point right there because I feel like, I think there was a Lee Jenkins piece that came out and Ramona Shelburne's been on the radio and she's talked about how, you know, Palinka and Magic have worked their way to this point where they can both use cap space and their young core in conjunction with each other. And the Lakers are in a stage right now where they don't really have to subtract anything, right? They can just add from here. And so, you know, trading young core pieces for Kawhi Leonard while you do get him in a year earlier and allow the young guys, like I mentioned at the start of the show, to maybe get to the playoffs a year earlier. There are so many possibilities, even a year out from now, if where if we miss out on Kawhi Leonard, we let somebody else trade for him. We're still not dead in the water because there's 2019 free agency, right? Where guys like Clay Thompson are available. And right. then we can just add that guy, that guy onto our team and still keep the cost-effective players that we have in Kyle Kuzma, who is make his contract makes him like one of the most valuable players on our team at like 1.7 million, you know, the ne- 2 million the next three years. And so I feel like Palinka has very smartly got us into this position where he has so much ammo and so much flexibility, probably the most flexibility he's ever going to have. And the moment you start trading pieces and using up that cap space, you begin to lessen your flexibility and also lessen your your, your ammo. But let's say, I'll, I'll tweak the hypothetical a little bit and say we, we've got Paul George in the bag and the Lakers really want to flip on the switch here. And so they have more incentive to trade some of the younger pieces now that they have Paul George. And let's say maybe Paul George even is kind of hinting to them, hey, you know, I'm, I've committed, but I want you to really build out a contending team for me. If Kawhi Leonard's available, you should try and get him. 
Um, so let's say that's the scenario. In that scenario, yeah, what 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 would you be willing to give up? Yeah, I mean, it's like so that's why I think maybe your poll had like potentially interesting results because I think you can interpret the question two ways. It's like one way is what's the most I would give up, and I guess another way is what is he actually worth? You know what I mean? If Kawhi Leonard is available, I think you offer what he's worth because. He's one of the best players in the NBA. So of the young core, I'd offer B.I. because I think he's probably the best uh, option that the Spurs would want because he plays defense, he can score, he's long, he's a wing, so he plugs right in for Kawhi, and he's eight years younger than Kawhi. So like, if you're rebuilding, there's your guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I so I view him as kind of like the most valuable piece, and, and uh, so that's why I would probably go B.I., but in terms of who I'm most willing to give up, I probably Kuzma just because I think that, you know, although Kuzma, what he's done has been amazing and I really want to see him play his entire career with the Lakers if possible, you can find another guy who could score. And that's not to say Kuzma won't get better at other things moving forward. Um, but, like, there are guys who score. Um, if you have a chance to get Kawhi Leonard, then then you offer something like that. Um uh, you know, Kawhi plays defense. Kuzma doesn't really play defense. Between Kuzma and Bi, I guess that's the that's the real comparison in this hypothetical. Um, Bi plays defense. Kuzma doesn't really play defense yet. Bi is a little bit younger. Um, Bi is maybe has a is a little bit more of a team player. Uh, uh, you know, you know, there's just a variety of reasons, but I I think that's why there's maybe two different answers to your question. Uh, but if, yeah, in the, I guess if you're really getting at what do I think Kawhi is actually worth, if he's really available, I would offer BI for sure. If it came down to that and then probably throw in other pieces too, because if Kawhi's healthy and, and that's the direction we want to go, he's one of the best players in the NBA. Would you agree that it would take BI, Josh Hart, the Cleveland pick, maybe a Zubats or Thomas Bryant, and then a f- yes. another future first to get it done? I think so. It's gonna take a. Sh- it's gonna take a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, if, especially because uh, if Kawhi's healthy, other teams. This is like a serious bidding situation. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. he's gonna get probably more than what uh, uh, Kyrie Irving got. In fact, he might get Kyrie Irving if the. Uh, <laughs> Kyrie Irving has always wanted to play with the uh, with Greg Popovich. He was one of the teams on on his like short list or whatever when he requested to be traded. Uh, was the Spurs, I should say. So, um, if Boston puts together some sort of package, if uh, Philly puts together some sort of package, like these teams have serious assets, and if we're serious about getting Kawhi, it's going to cost a lot. So in that scenario, then, wouldn't you feel like the Lakers should just sit things out instead of getting into a bidding war with two teams that yes. have the luxury of being able to just throw a Markel Fultz, a Dario Saric, and still have their two main pieces? I feel like because the Lakers don't have, at least yet, their cornerstone pieces like those teams do, they shouldn't be willy-nilly just giving away some guys that could potentially be that for them, you know, even though they get yeah, a Kawhi correct. Leonard back. Yeah, no, I think... I think that's exactly right. And th- and that's the thing where I think a lot of people who are not Laker fans, like crucify Laker fans like us for having thoughts like that. But it's like, dude, we're not in a position. What's the point of trading so many like of our young core and then future assets we could get for Kawhi Leonard, who's 28, if we can't put together a roster that can compete in the next four years? 
Yeah. You know, like what's the point? So we trade uh, Brandon Ingram or Kyle Kuzma and Josh Hart and picks and, you know, all this other stuff. And it's like, great, now we have two stars, like, in the West. Uh, we don't know how they're going to mesh together, but we don't have really a lot of depth, and we don't have an op- – well, it's like, how is that situation make us really that different than OKC in a way, right? It's like they have their stars, um, but they have no way of right. – no flexibility at all to sign anybody else. Like, it makes too much sense in the modern NBA, even if you have to wait longer to compete. Like you already have guys that if we literally just keep this team together, I'm not saying we'll win a championship in four years, but I'm saying we will make the playoffs in the next two seasons. If we just keep this exact roster together and then you just go from there. But why, you know, it's like there's being in a rush and I just don't see the need to be in a rush with, uh, with where we are right now, talent wise, but I'm sure many people would disagree and it's fair. I don't know. And I think with regards to roster construction, if you look at the way, and Pete Zayas has brought this up on his own podcast, Laker film room. Um, but the way that the Warriors constructed their team, it took multiple pieces being on cost effective contracts, like Draymond Green to Steph Curry when he got that first extension of like 40 million over four years because he had just come from a bum ankle, you know, having guys on really, really cheap contracts and just continuing to ride that out and then bringing in like a, Andre Iguodala, an Andrew Bogut, uh, a Kevin Durant later when they have the cap space. Like you need those cost effective pieces around them and you need those guys to hit as well. I mean, you look at the Golden State Warriors and you also look at the Philadelphia 76ers. What is the commonality, commonality between those two teams? And the commonality is they started out with soup, with core, core players who ended up hitting who are on cost effective contracts that the team can control moving forward. Right. The moment you bring in a Kawhi Leonard, it changes the entire dynamic of your team moving forward. And you're going to have to commit to super max Kawhi Leonard and constructing your roster uh, in a way that orbits Kawhi Leonard instead of instead of having a, 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 a constructed roster where you have three to four guys who, you know, for a fact that you can control. Right. So having said that, I think you would agree. There's no way there's no scenario where you would give up both. Kuzma and Lonzo Ball or Brandon Ingram and Kuzma, right? Uh, for me personally, no. And I'm again, I'm and I, I frankly also don't think the Lakers would. I think there yeah. are many fans and many, many, many sports media members who would just completely like laugh at this idea. But it's like, dude, no, teams are guys have different values to different teams in different circumstances. You know what I mean? It's if you're a borderline contender that has assets to spare, you sell sell everything for Kawhi Leonard. If you're a team that's rebuilding and, like you said, is not ready to commit to just this guy is like that's now the focal. You know, it's not having all these all this flexibility, getting rid of all your flexibility and options moving forward. Then he has slightly less value to you. And that's fine. Then he goes to another team, and that's just how it works. And one day we'll be in a a situation where somebody will become available, and we're in the right place, right time, and we get them, just sort of like we did with Pow. You know, it just that's how the NBA works. Like, you can't get every star every single time they're available in the trade. And that's why I think it's it makes most sense to develop internally, try to sign guys without losing pieces, and then 
when you're finally ready, then it's like, great. Now, instead of our guys being 20, they're 22. And now we have a real team that we can build uh, with all these assets we've accumulated and we have an opportunity to make a trade and keep our young guys who are now more experienced. You know, it's just, I don't know. To me, that makes sense, but I don't know. Now, what if in the very, very unlikely miracle of a scenario, what if the miracle scenario happens where the Lakers get LeBron James and Paul George, and now they have the opportunity to trade for Kawhi Leonard? Obviously, in this scenario, I feel like the Lakers have all the leverage to say, let's just ride the year out with LeBron James and Paul George. But let's say they just want to go extra crazy, right? And they decide to trade, also trade for Kawhi Leonard, and they have the potential to get that big three in, would you still say no to trading two of those guys? I would. And the reason is because, you know, I've seen this idea brought up by a few people and it's, it's the idea that, Oh, you know, it's like LeBron would want that, that, you know, that's the team that's ready to win now. And we would have the three of the best wings in the NBA on the same team. And yes, all of this is true. But like, for me, it's like, I think it's become very clear that, okay, the NBA becomes a copycat league very quickly. We've seen it throughout the years, like when we were winning championships and we had two big men and all of a sudden every team in the league tried to get two big men, even if they weren't good. You know what I mean? It's like they copy without thinking about the context. And I think here LeBron started this whole trend with the Miami big three. Okay. Here's our big three. Now who's your big three to compete with our big three. And then now all of a sudden every team wants a big three, right? I just don't think that in the current NBA, like 2018 NBA, you need a big three to win a championship. I think you're arguably better off with two good stars and then a way more balanced supporting roster. The big three model we're seeing in OKC, and I know Melo is not who he once was, but like that's the risk of that model. You know what I mean? The reason it worked with Miami is because LeBron James is the most insanely, like, he's so good and he is such a physical freak that, especially when he was in his prime in Miami, like, he compensates for so many deficiencies in his teammates. That's why that system worked. They had Chris Ball, uh, excuse me, Chris Bosh, like, Chris Ball, Chris (laughs) Chris Bosh, the, uh, you know, most athletic big man at the time, I felt like in the in the league, you know, he was between his length and between his agility and his ability to slide his feet on the perimeter on defense. Like that's why that team specifically worked, and they still only won two champion championships. And I say only two because they pretty much had a clear path to the finals every year. You know what I mean? Like very yeah. little resistance. Um, so it's like, why are why do we all just accept that? Like you need three stars. I think a very good case could be made that, you know, sort of like you said with the Warriors, it's like add people at different times for the right price points. Don't put yourself in a situation where your entire salary cap after next summer is going to go to three guys and you have to, and you have, you've burned all your young assets and you have to figure out how are you going to fill up the rest of your, uh, your roster now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I I also do want to mention though that the Lakers. Sorry, there's a dog <laughs> barking in the background. Um, <laughs> but the Lakers do. They are in a bit of a time. Not not so much of a time crunch. But if they want to take advantage of the cap that they have now, they do have to take advantage of it at least in the next 
one or two years because that you know in in a few in two years Brandon Ingram is up for his max extension and then soon after that Lonzo Ball etc cetera, etc cetera, right so there is some time sensitivity to all this the the next question I want to ask you though is is there a scenario where you'd be willing to give up Lonzo Ball if the Spurs if that's the player that the Spurs covet and if we're offering them if we're offering up Kuzma Lonzo Ball or Brandon Ingram and the Spurs can take their pick of one of those guys is there a situation where you'd be okay with giving up Lonzo Ball and we get Kawhi Leonard and in spite of the fact that there's some positional redundancy we could essentially roll out an all wings lineup of death of Kyle Kuzma Brandon Ingram who's shown the ability to play point guard to a very serviceable to to be very serviceable in playing point guard if need be yeah, is there, is there a scenario where, where you'd be okay letting go of uh, Lonzo Ball if you know Paul George is in and then you're going to get Kawhi Leonard? Uh, would I do it? Yeah, if they did it, you know, I would have no problem with that. I would do. I would totally be fine and be like, okay, here we go. We're rolling forward with, with this now, you know? Mm. But I, again, it's not something that really, like, super excites me. If we already have the two stars, I just prefer to have depth and, and uh, versatility at different positions and, and a mix of ages so that we don't get again in like a situation where we just become another one of these teams that is you know competitive for a few years and then falls off the map for a few years and then it's competitive for a few years and then falls off the map it's you know it's like when uh when the, the new front office came in I, there was a lot of interviews and stuff where i can't remember if it was them i want to say it was them but they all talked about how they want to they want like the san antonio model you know what i mean where it's there's continuity and there's pieces that stick together and it's about building a team first mentality for, and the way you do that is by winning for a very long period of time so that there's some degree of like respect that is formed there. And it's not just let's go all in for the next four years and then completely build from the ground up again and then do that for six years and then compete again really hard for four years and then build all the way from the ground. It's like, why don't we just, you know, compete with like two of the best players in the NBA. If we end up, end up in that position or one of the best players in the NBA, if they're willing to come. Yeah. Sorry. In this scenario, let's say LeBron James isn't coming and it's just Paul George. And then you have to trade Lonzo ball for Kawhi Leonard. Sorry. Yeah. Then, then again, I still think like if you already have Paul George, I mean, I don't know. I don't know, dude. I, I would again, be fine with it. I just don't think I would personally do it. Right. I think where I was getting, I was, I'm actually surprised you'd be fine with it because I know the perception around Lakers Nation right now is that Lonzo Ball is pretty much untouchable and you'd say no in any situation, even if it's straight up for Kawhi. And right now, Kuzma is the most likely to be dealt in any uh, core piece blue chip situation. And for me, I just want to make the case for not, not trading away Lonzo Ball, but the case for being okay with letting Lonzo Ball go and actually seeing the value in Kyle Kuzma. Because you said you, know, you can get a score anywhere, but like we've seen from Donovan Mitchell, I could have said the same thing before I saw him play in the playoffs, you know? And like we've talked about with regards to Kyle Kuzma before, there's just something about this guy and his mentality and the way that he was raised and the way that he looks at the game that I, I, I don't think can be overlooked. Right. And you overlook something like that, and you could you could have said that about Kobe his first two years, you know. Uh, you can you can get a score anywhere you want, and then you just look at the the mentality that he's always had, and sometimes that just wins out and allows him to be a transcendent type player that we just can't see right now. We only see, oh, he can score, and you know, during the times when his shot hasn't fallen, 
oh, he's been a little one-dimensional. But we've seen him also rebound from those moments and really come up in the clutch as as a freaking rookie, you know? And this guy has overcome a lot of hard circumstances as well from being overlooked in the draft process, from being overlooked in college, having to wait his turn, being redshirted and all that, and him just overcoming all those obstacles. And even as a bench player, getting limited time, just making the most of that time and capitalizing at every turn. We saw his uh, hook highlight package where it's just hook shots. Dude, a bunch of all-star Hall of Fame players can't even say they have a a hook shot package. And Kyle Kuzma has one. It was a long (laughs) video, dude. I was so surprised. I was was like, like, (laughs) I did not realize he made this many hook shots this season. (laughs) Yeah, so it's it's crazy, right? So I think that's my case for Kyle Kuzma, just looking at some of his intangible qualities that could take him to the next level. And not to mention, like I said, his contract is like he's making what one one point eight million two million the next few years and yeah, Lonzo Ball's at seven million and then we, when it's time for his max extension it's going to probably be where Julius Randle's cap hold is at and, and obviously we're going to re-sign Lonzo Ball but just, there, there's just so much more you can do if let's say the Spurs want Lonzo Ball and we have to our consolation prize is oh we got to keep Cal Kuzma uh-oh it's like Okay, that's fine. And and for me, the positional stuff, and you, you tell me if you're concerned about it, but I'm not concerned about it at all, especially the way the Lakers want to operate. I'm okay with just having a whole bunch of wing players uh, because I know Kawhi Leonard can shoot. I know Paul George can shoot. I know Kyle Kuzma can shoot. And it's really just waiting on Brandon Ingram to continue to round out his three-point shot, which, by the way, he shot 39%. Yes, on a low number of shot attempts, but I think that's slowly going to come. And given the fact that He's shown an ability to be a steadying force when he's been given the ball and the opportunity to at least just run simple pick and roll reads and to bring the ball up the court. And during that time when Lonzo Ball was out and they converted him into the point guard, that's when we went on our like, you know, six game winning streak, right? So I think people will continually go back to the fact that and I'm not trying to knock Lonzo Ball here I'm just giving another perspective and explaining why I would be okay with a one-on-one swap uh, for Kawhi Leonard Um, but I think a lot of people put emphasis and we did as well on the fact that when Lonzo Ball was out the Lakers looked terrible right but I just want to contextualize the situation and remind everybody that when Lonzo Ball was out we literally had no other backup (laughs) it was like Tyler Ennis and Caruso and Jordan Clarkson, but Jordan Clarkson, well, you know, his head was already somewhere else at that point. So, of course, the team is going to look like crap. Not only did we not have a backup point guard when Lonzo Ball was out, but that was during the time when Luke was still kind of messing around with Julius Randle and he wasn't even starting. So, if you're looking for other points as to why we really sucked during that period when he was out, there, there are other factors there. And I, I only bring that up because there was also an, a second period when he was out during the second half of the year where we actually played pretty well and that was when Isaiah Thomas came in and Brandon Ingram was made the official starting point guard of the Los Angeles Lakers when those two things happened the offense flowed a lot better we actually got on a winning streak and we were able to do some things even without Lonzo Ball so in case people are overemphasizing that period of time where yes we looked like total crap the offense didn't flow our defense looked worse because Lonzo Ball is a great defender uh, I'm just kind of trying to take the what's it, the luster off of that a little bit and just say like, no, we can live without Lonzo Ball, even though he is such a steadying force and he does kind of embody the culture and type of play that the Lakers want to 
embrace moving forward. Like I understand all of those things, but I just think I'm just trying to make the argument that I think we'll survive without Lonzo Ball. So I don't know if you want to add anything to that. And it's not it's not to knock knock it's not to knock Lonzo Ball. Yeah, no, I think it's it's just a it's a weird argument. Or I mean, not this uh it's a weird hypothetical, I guess, you know, because it's like you can see arguments for both sides. It feels a little bit ridiculous to argue that um, keeping Lonzo is a better idea over trading for Kawhi. Like, just objectively, that feels ridiculous to argue. But I, th- I think that it's just it. It's all circumstantial, and and I, I don't know. It's I don't know. It, it's a weird. It's a weird hypothetical. I hate getting into this trade. All the trade <laughs> speculation game. It always makes me. It, it just like there's so many. You know, the, nobody ever predicts a trade as it actually comes, but there's so much speculation over like different variations that will most certainly never happen. Um, so it's just it's just weird. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, we'll have more time over this summer to continue to talk about this stuff um, as Paul George gets eliminated from the playoffs, as LeBron James continues to sludge through with the Cleveland Cavaliers as he drags their lifeless body <laughs> across the finish line. Um, yeah, there's a lot more to talk about, um, and we'll continue to you know, stay on top of the pulse of everything here. As of now, continue to enjoy the playoffs because it's been a lot of fun and we're seeing a lot of new names uh, rise to the top here. And uh, it's, a, it's a brand new NBA and we're looking forward to the Lakers kind of uh, stepping up to the plate as well as soon as next year. And uh, I think for sure, regardless of what happens this summer, I think you'd agree with me. Playoffs is a must next year, like for sure. If we don't make the playoffs, it's yep. a disappointment to me. Uh, we got to get our guys in now. I, I'm already very antsy. At, at the fact that they're not in and getting that experience now. So at least next year, we got to go full bore, whatever it takes. Um, bring back Brooke Lopez, continue to fill out the team in a way that even if we don't get these superstars, we're at least set up to make the playoffs next year. Um, but yeah, with that said, that's our episode tonight. Um, yeah, we will kind of be sporadic with our schedule until um, everything solidifies with regards to summer. Um, we'll probably be more consistent when it comes to, you know, end of June when the draft happens and we'll have some episodes leading up to the draft where we'll probably cover, we'll finally start to cover some prospects in the number 25 range and all the, all the Luau Dang stuff or whether or not we're going to trade that pick and whatnot. And obviously once July hits, we'll be more consistent, but as of now, you know, enjoy the time off, not thinking too much about the Lakers, even though every Oklahoma city game is Every Oklahoma City loss is pretty much a Lakers win. And every LeBron James Cavs loss is a Lakers win as well. So, um, yeah, just continue to enjoy the playoffs for now. And we'll be back when we'll be back. In the meantime, also, please just rate and interview us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. And with that said, uh, yeah, Tommy, any last words? I got nothing. You've got nothing. Let's watch the playoffs, everybody. Playoffs are lit. Tommy, I'll catch you later. Later.
This is what flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi, did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi, you have high cholesterol. Hi, you're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi, there's no more even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.